Well, welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments this weekend. Uh, I do want to, right at the start, mention a resource that we're very fond of here at Arlington FM. It's called the U version of the Bible. It's a free app that you can download on your phone or any device. Uh, therein, you'll find just about every translation of the Bible that is out there. You can find topics, search for any season of life that you're in. If you're looking for what God's truth has to say about it, you'll find it there. Also, you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Well, I do want to wish all of you uh, a very restful, a very relaxed uh, Labor Day weekend. In fact, uh, my message this weekend it has a Labor Day theme to it. And we're asking the question, are you ready and uh, rested and ready for the next season of life? Well, the truth is you can be. Uh, you know, fall is supposed to be a time when we gear up for what is ahead. And we all know that Labor Day is uh, traditionally that uh, holiday weekend that marks the end of summer and the beginning uh, of all that fall holds for us. And uh, we turn the page in many ways into a new chapter of our lives. And sometimes just the changing of the seasons can be enough to invigorate us. And, uh, you know, I want to uh, disclose to you, if you're not a member of the church here, uh, that I had the privilege uh, these last two months of taking my first ever sabbatical. And uh, it was a wonderful, restful time for me to pause uh, from my usual duties and just uh, learn how to be uh, alone with God, pursue Christ, and experience some things that were outside the normal pattern of my lives and of my life. And I just want to thank uh, our wonderful team here, our church board, our staff for creating a space uh, for me to have that unusual opportunity. You know, the word sabbatical actually comes from the word Sabbath, which is a big deal in the Bible. And uh, Sabbath rest is something that God established in his very creation. And uh, as you follow the teachings of Scripture and uh, really the words of Jesus, uh, he said that Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. It's not some duty uh, that is yet another religious obligation that people have to fulfill. It's a gift from God uh, to pause from our usual duties, to get rested, and to get ready for what is next. Uh, I read uh, this last week that uh, the shoe company Nike is closing its offices for a week to give employees a mental health week. And uh, I'll read you just part of the article. Global apparel and shoe company Nike is putting some of its employees' mental health ahead of productivity. It has closed its corporate offices for the week so employees can, quote, enjoy additional time off to rest and recover. Uh, a company official wrote, the extra time off is intended for employees to refresh and recharge during the ongoing pandemic. Well, uh, someone who heard this news uh, contacted a Nike employee at a retail store, and uh, here was their response. The person who answered the phone said this was the first they heard of extra time off and uh, for paid time uh, employees of the corporate offices. And their reaction was, uh, if that's the case, 
Uh, Part-time workers in a retail store are expected to come to work while the corporate people get an extra week off. And, uh, you know, I I would just ask the question uh, for you, you know, this, are you ready? Are you rested for what's next? You know, maybe you're among those who hasn't had a real break. Uh, Maybe no one's afforded you the opportunity to take a extended sabbatical. Uh, Maybe you're among those Nike workers that you're working in retail instead of the corporate office. And so here's the question. Uh, How do we get rested and ready for the next season of life when we're not, when we're not rested and we're not ready? You know, uh, work can kind of pile up. Uh, Difficulties can pile up. There's this idea called cascading problems. And it's the sense that before we've had time to catch our breath and recover from the last set of issues, here come the next ones. And uh, it can pile up and get to us. You know, one of the the things that my wife and I uh, were able to do uh, on my sabbatical is we traveled to the land of my forefathers, which was Poland. Uh, First time either one of us had ever been in that part of the world. And while we were in uh, the city of Krakow, Poland, we realized that we were quite close to the uh, German concentration camp called Auschwitz. And so we thought being in that part of the world, being that near, that we would plan a day to go visit Auschwitz. And, uh, you know, we were staggered by what we saw there in this uh, image that you'll see. Uh, This was kind of the grand entryway into this death camp uh, where in a period of uh, three years, a million people were were murdered and exterminated uh, at this camp. And uh, you'll see in some of the smaller photos there, uh, many Jews, Polish citizens being unloaded from the trains. Uh, they were told that they were going to take a shower, men, women, and children. And uh, when in reality, they were going in to be gassed to death. And uh, of those million people that died in Auschwitz, 75% of them, uh, the day they arrived, they were separated into those lines that sent them uh, directly to the gas chambers. Well, the other 25%, uh, they were sent to the work camp. And uh, you'll see in this next photo, uh, really a cruel sort of humor. Uh, The sign above the entryway says, work will set you free. Your work will liberate you. Well, uh, the reality is, as you walk through those buildings and you saw thousands and thousands of photos of Jewish and, and, and uh, Polish Jews who had been uh, murdered and killed there, uh, there uh, the workers, those who were uh, sent to the work camp, uh, their lifespan within that camp was incredibly short. It, it was two months. It was three months. Uh, a long lifespan was considered four to six months. And uh, my wife just commented uh, how quickly uh, people died within that environment. And uh, it just highlights a truth, really brings it into poignant awareness, that ceaseless work without the opportunity to rest and recover saps the life out of us. Ceaseless, endless sense of parading duties, one upon another without a break without a pause to refresh and get restored, saps the life out of us. Uh, See, fall's demands on top of summer's difficulties 
can lead to harried holidays and uh, really can wear the joy and the happiness out of us. And so uh, the question I ask again is how do you approach the next season of life rested and ready when you are not, when you haven't had an extended break? And uh, here's the Here's the answer I want to begin to explore with you, that there is a rest that God offers people that doesn't depend on our circumstance. There is a rest. There is a strengthening that God invites us into that has little to do with what's happening around us and everything to do with our response to him. It's a rest that can be found in the middle of the storm. It's a rest that is found along the way, day in and day out. Uh, begin to catch the heart in the invitation of God and some of these teachings uh, throughout his scripture. Isaiah chapter 40 says this, uh, God, uh, God gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Hear those words again. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Uh, and then again, uh, we're told the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And so there's a sense again that the strengthening comes in the midst of difficulty. Uh, listen to these words succinctly from Psalm 29. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And see, all of these uh, scriptural truths uh, speak of a rest and a refreshing and a strengthening that happens in the midst of our difficulties and uh, along the way uh, with our challenges. Uh, you know, uh, month or so ago, uh, we were in a series called Chasing Life, and we looked at Psalm 184, and it speaks of this strengthening that happens as we are moving toward, uh, moving toward God. Uh, listen to the words of Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. Uh, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage or the journey to find God. As they pass through difficult places, through the valley of Baca, they make that very difficult place a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go on from strength to strength uh, until each appears before God in Zion. And see, this uh, scripture uh, points uh, very succinctly uh, to that ability to be rested, to be refreshed uh, along the way, even in the most arduous parts of our journey. Uh, well, uh, I mentioned my uh, sabbatical opportunity. I want to share a couple of lessons from that uh, pause that I took, but I began uh, my two months away with a road trip, and uh, I decided to drive uh, down through Oregon, where I had grown up, and uh, a couple days into my journey, I found myself at Crater Lake. I arrived at this lovely scene, uh, looking over the rim of this incredible a glimpse of God's creative handiwork where a, a volcano exploded and then uh, in the cauldron that was left after the explosion, it filled with an underground spring and you have this wonderful marble 
called Crater Lake. And as I stood there looking over the rim, I decided how I would spend my day, that I would uh, get my hiking shoes on, just kind of stroll uh, along the, these uh, nice little walkways uh, above the lake, take pictures, sit on rocks, enjoy God's creation, and moments of solitude. Well, as I was at my uh, vehicle beginning to get my hiking shoes on, uh, I met a young couple from San Francisco, and they were pulling all their bicycle gear out of their Euro van. And uh, as we got in a conversation about the lake and about bicycling, they were getting ready to ride the rim ride around the rim of the lake. And uh, I had read a little bit about it and knew it was beyond my abilities. But as I spoke with them, they said, look, you can totally do this. You can do this. And uh, they said, you can even ride with us. Well, they planted that seed in my mind, so I began to dig my bike out of my vehicle, and when I turned around, they were gone. Uh, but uh, lo and behold, they planted the seed in me that I could do this 37-mile ride around the lake, and so I, I did. I started out, but what I didn't take into account is that uh, none of the 37 miles was level. Uh, you were either on a long, steep ascent or you were on a long, steep descent. You were either pumping the pedals or riding the brakes. And uh, I also didn't take into account that it was all above 7,000 feet, uh, nor did I take into account that within a few hours it would be 90 degrees. And uh, so I uh, made my way around this incredible spectacle of God's creation. And believe me, when I got about halfway into it, uh, I was uh, fighting off thoughts of quitting. <laughs> I had to uh, do mental gymnastics to keep myself going. And uh, in fact, uh, I was on one particularly difficult stretch. Uh, it was uphill as far as I could see. And when you rounded the corner, it was more uphill. And occasionally an RV would go by me and they were shifting down trying to get up the steep grade. And uh, I was shifting down trying to get up the steep grade. And uh, I was really wondering at this point, am I going to have a stroke? Uh, is this it for me? Is this where it ends? Or do I pull over and just sit and hitchhike my way back? And uh, just about then, uh, a pickup truck full of frat guys came by. And uh, as they passed me, uh, one of the guys stood up in the back of the pickup truck and he yelled, I believe in you! <laughs> and as they drove off, I almost fell over, pumping my fist in the air. But I felt empowered. I felt strengthened. I felt encouraged. In fact, 10 minutes later, they came back the other way, and this time all of them were standing in the back cheering me on. And, uh, you know, I really related uh, to this truth in Psalm 84 that even in the difficult places, when our hearts are set on pursuing God, we go from strength to strength. We find new strength and encouragement even if we don't have an extended break. Well, uh, here's, uh, here's one of the truths that became very prominent to me uh, during my sabbatical time, that the refreshing, the rest, the strengthening that God wants to impart to us is entirely connected with the quality of my relationship with Jesus. I want you to hear that again. Uh, the refreshing, the rest, the renewal of strength that God wants to impart to us is entirely connected to the quality 
of my interaction with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what Jesus meant when he said, abide in me and uh, you will bear much fruit. Uh, it's a quality of relationship I, I found in one of my devotional reads through these last two months. Uh, it's a quality of relationship that King David describes uh, with incredible insight in Psalm 23. It's known as uh, the shepherd psalm. And uh, I want you to just uh, hear some of the wonderful ways that David describes his life-empowering relationship with God. He says uh, very uh, clearly in Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Uh, hear those words again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And see, the key to what David begins to describe in this incredible psalm is found in this, uh, that David was the son of a shepherd. And David grew up as a shepherd. In fact, as he's introduced uh, into the story of the scriptures, he's tending sheep faithfully. And uh, in fact, David would come to be known as the shepherd king. And so uh, as we go through this psalm, uh, and he describes the care of a good shepherd, uh, he's describing what he knows so well. Uh, I dug out an old classic uh, in thinking through the truths of this psalm. Maybe you've read it before. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And uh, if you read through the pages of this simple book, uh, also written uh, by a shepherd, uh, the truth that becomes prominent is that the, the well-being of sheep is entirely dependent on the quality of their shepherd. The well-being, uh, whether or not sheep thrive and flourish and reproduce, is absolutely contingent upon the shepherd that cares or doesn't care for their needs. And uh, this becomes uh, very clear as you read through the pages of this book, The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And uh, so David takes that truth and he says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I've got a really great shepherd. In fact, he's the creator of the universe and uh, the sustainer of all things. If you think of the all-powerful God, however you've come to know God, uh, all of creation breathed into existence, spoken into existence by him, that very eternal and all-powerful God, King David is saying, He's my shepherd. God, the Lord, the sustainer of the universe is my caregiver. And uh, here's something that I want to declare. Uh, I have no needs apart from what he can satisfy. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Uh, you know, that's an incredible way to approach life is knowing that the creator of everything is mindful of every need that you could possibly have. And he, he meets those needs according to his riches. Uh, you know, there's a lot of writing that's been done recently about the way, basic ways that we view life. And uh, one body of truth is that we can either view life from a perspective of not enough. Uh, I'm not enough. My skills aren't enough. My faith isn't enough. My contributions aren't enough. 
my love isn't adequate, uh, my service isn't good enough, that there's just this endless list of shame-based perspectives on, on our life, and a lot, of, a lot of us live in that space. But the other side is, I am enough. Uh, a mustard seed of faith is enough. That an act done in love is more than adequate. That God makes it enough. Uh, this was the lesson that Jesus often tried to, te to teach to people. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? God is more than enough. And uh, my faith in him is more than enough to bring all of his resource into my life. As I mentioned, Jesus uh, tried to teach and communicate this about the nature of God. He would ask his disciples, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? Have you suddenly dismissed God from the circumstance of your life? Uh, why are you so anxious and troubled about so many things? He would direct them. Uh, Look at the birds of the air. Notice the flowers of the field, how God cares for them. He gives them what they need. They thrive. They flourish. And that same God, Jesus said, he knows what you need. In fact, he's got the hairs on your head numbered. He's dialed into you, and uh, he supplies. And what Jesus was trying to say is that God is more than enough. And David experienced that. Uh, in fact, uh, many uh, commentators believe that David wrote Psalm 23 when he was fleeing from his rebellious son, Absalom. Uh, Absalom had created a following for himself, felt like he should be the king of Israel, and began to... Uh, uh, try to take his father captive. And so David, uh, in a very difficult time of his life, uh, discovered something. His well-being doesn't depend on his circumstance. And he found he could be renewed, restored, strengthened, even in the midst of his most difficult times. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And uh, I would just ask you, uh, can you say that authentically, genuinely, maybe even through clenched teeth? The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. Uh, there may be some things that I currently need, but I know generally God is supplying everything that I need to do well in life. See, God wants to break into your tiredness, and he wants to bring you into that, that rest. Uh, the writer to the book of Hebrews spoke about the rest that God has accomplished for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, he says again and again, there remains a rest uh, for people of faith to enter into, uh, regardless of their circumstance. And uh, so I would invite you to, to say this with King David. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And you might ask, well, how is that even possible? Yeah, well, David begins to now describe uh, how it is that God meets all of his needs. He says in verse two and three, uh, the shepherd who cares for me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. You know, one of the, one of the uh, characteristics that comes out in uh, 
Keller's view of uh, look at Psalm 23 is that even sheep that have a good shepherd have a tendency to do things that are bad for them. Uh, they'll, even though they're well fed, they'll stick their noses through a fence and, and eat uh, weeds on the other side versus the luscious grass that is uh, provided for them. Uh, while they're on the way to uh, healthy flowing water, they'll stop and, and drink bacteria infested, uh, bacteria infested puddles and uh, you know, all kinds of behavior that works against them. And uh, David literally says, God is such a good shepherd to me that he makes me lie down and he, he, he directs and guides me uh, to those things that will bring refreshment and restoration to my soul. Uh, he goes on, verse 3, uh, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. You know, I think this is such an incredible uh, truth about walking with God is uh, he simply asks us uh, to be humble enough in our response to him that he can direct us onto the right paths. There's a proverb that says, many are the, the plans in the mind of a man, uh, but the end of those plans often ends in death and destruction. And, and so this disposition that allows God to guide us in the right paths. It's a partnership. God is inviting us to uh, come into that relationship with him where we allow him to direct our steps towards good things, towards the things that do create rest and refreshment in us. And then he gets the good PR. He gets the glory. It's for his name's sake. Uh, when my marriage is blessed, when my kids love God and each other, uh, when my work bears fruit, uh, those are all uh, end results that God wants to lead us in. And uh, when we're compliant enough with his will and we step into those good paths, uh, he gets glorified. Uh, uh, the message rings out from the very fruit of our lives that God is good and he does good things in our lives. David goes on. He says, uh, even though, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, as David looks out upon his life, uh, he's not able to say, God is my shepherd. Uh, I lack nothing because he knows everything's going to fall into place in wonderful ways. No, he says, I, I know that life has, has its difficulties. As Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And that's David's experience. Uh, I can walk through the most difficult seasons of life and not do it with fear because I know something. God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, is with me. And uh, there are tangible expressions of his strength and of his guidance, uh, David refers to them as your rod and your staff. Uh, you know, as I uh, chewed on the words of this psalm uh, throughout my sabbatical time, uh, one of the things I began to associate with the rod and the staff that David speaks of is the, the word of God and the spirit of God. Uh, see, the word of God with the spirit of God 
is meant to bring us into communion with the Son of God. I, I want you to hear that again. Uh, the Word of God, this, the Bible, the U version, whatever version you're reading, uh, the Scriptures, the Word of God with the active interaction with the Spirit of God is meant to bring us into communion with the Good Shepherd of our souls, the Son of God. And so uh, I would ask you uh, uh, kind of a take your pulse question. Do you have a daily time where you allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to bring you into renewed communion with the Son of God? And if not, why not? And what would it take for you to open yourself up to that possibility and that reality of communing with Jesus Christ on a daily basis? Uh, uh, David goes on to talk about and really to boast about this good shepherd. He said that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and as a result, my cup overflows. What's David saying is when life is difficult, uh, I'm not just gutting it out. I'm not just uh, enduring one day after another, one season after another, and having the life squeezed out of me. Rather, uh, even in the midst of the most challenging times, even when my enemies of my happiness are bearing down on me, uh, David says, God, you prepare a feast for me. I'm well fed, uh, even though I'm on the run. And uh, you you protect me from the annoyances of life, you know, uh, uh, again, sheep are notorious for having many maladies, and uh, bugs and bacteria can drive them to insanity. And uh, one of the things the shepherd would do is anoint the head of his sheep with a, a, a potion, a mixture uh, that would keep them, um, create a barrier between them and the annoyances of life. And uh, what a great picture that is of uh, God's ability and desire to care for us in the middle of very complex and difficult times. Uh, you know, uh, when my wife and I were finishing up our European trip, uh, we had to fly back uh, to the U.S. through Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. And, uh, you know, we've both been fully vaccinated, but we had so much exposure on the trip, we were kind of worried that maybe we'd pick something up and uh, before we could board the plane, we had to be tested to make sure we were COVID negative, which we were. But then we arrived in the concourse, and I saw this, which you'll see on this picture. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, there goes social distancing out the window. And you, you had no masks were required. Uh, many people were, quote, eating and had their masks off. And when I saw this crowd, uh, I just pled the blood of Jesus over my health. And uh, we were, um, w my wife and I were flying standby, which means we're like the low rung on the totem pole when it comes to priority treatment. And we got in the concourse, and uh, there was a, a line hours long of people trying to board the plane, uh, show all of their paperwork, their boarding pass, their passport, their vaccination document, their lab tests. And... Uh, we were told by an agent, since we had no boarding pass, we're flying standby, to go to customer service. Well, I went over to customer service. There was a line there, and there was no one behind the counter. 
And so I stood in that line for a while, hoping someone would show up. And uh, my wife, uh, always looking for another uh, way to do things better, uh, said, I'm going to go to the Air France lounge that we passed on our way here. In fact, we just passed a sign that pointed you up an elevator. And I thought to myself, whatever works, but they're not even going to let you in. And uh, a few minutes later, my wife came back and she said, uh, get your luggage. Uh, we've been asked to come up to the lounge. And uh, we came up to this place that you'll see in this picture here. And uh, lo and behold, there were people behind the counter. Uh, there was a gentleman who took care of us, got us checked in, got us our boarding passes. I uh, said, why don't you come into the lounge, have some breakfast, and uh, we'll call you when you can go down and get on your flight. Well, I, I tell you, that to me was an experience of having a table prepared before me in the presence of our enemies. Uh, but the truth is, that pales to what David is describing here. Uh, see, David is describing a way to do life where life doesn't have to squeeze the energy out of us. Uh, David is describing how it is that we can go through the difficulties of this life and do well and be rested and be refreshed and be ready for whatever comes next. And it's by allowing the Creator to prepare a banquet for us, to invite us into his care when there's little to be found elsewhere. Uh, Jesus said it like this, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And he was inviting his disciples into that. And I would just ask you this question as we get ready to go into the next season, whatever that holds, are you dining at the Lord's table? Are you partaking of the feast that he has for you? Or are you standing in lines where there's not even an agent there to serve you? Uh, Jesus said it like this, is anyone thirsty? Let them come to me and drink, and out of their innermost being will flow rivers of life-giving water. Well, David ends this marvelous psalm with these words, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David was able to look out over his life and know that regardless of what came his way, it was going to be well with him because he knew that the God of creation was dialed into his needs, was going to care for him, was going to lead him, was going to guide him, was going to protect him from his enemies and sustain and strengthen him. And the truth I want to declare to you this Labor Day weekend is uh, you have a God like that. You have a shepherd like that. In fact, he's most clearly revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Here is how Jesus Christ uh, made himself known uh, to his followers and to us. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who wants to meet your needs and guide you along the right paths and protect you and cause your life to flourish. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then uh, this invitation from Jesus himself. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, as we end this message, uh, I want to encourage you to do something today. 
wherever you're at, uh, whomever you're with, whatever the rest of your day holds, I want to encourage you to take communion. And uh, if you don't know what communion is, it, it's a meal that Jesus instituted before he went to the cross. You might say it's the real table that God has prepared for us. And uh, in this meal, uh, Jesus took bread, as I will do here, and uh, he broke it. And he simply said, uh, this is my body broken for you. Well, what's that mean? It means that anything that uh, separated us from the fullness of God, from the life of God, from the provision of God, from the rest and refreshment of God, anything that could uh, disqualify us for, from that, Jesus took upon his body and he bore that for us. And so uh, sometime today, if you would get some bread or a cracker, something that you can break and just say, Jesus, thank you that anything uh, of my weakness that would separate me from God's best, you took care of. And so I'm grateful and I want to open up to that in your name and you take and you eat in his name. And then finally, uh, Jesus said, uh, this cup is the cup of uh, the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for many. And uh, what that means simply is that uh, we no longer need to approach God on the basis of our shame. We no longer need to uh, feel as though we're not worthy of God's best. All of that was taken care of through the spilled blood of Jesus. It's called forgiveness. It's the forgiveness of sins, and it's what Jesus uh, gave himself to accomplish. And so as you would uh, take a cup of juice, anything liquid in your home, you would just take that and say, Jesus, thank you for spilling your blood so that I could be forgiven. I'm grateful, and I take and drink in your name.